Before me, yes, but <laughs> May now, I, now or, this is what I wanted to say is that do you? Uh, I have here. I also have Mr. Johnny Candiria mm-hmm. for, for a, a, a cameo appearance as my old guest guest host, right? Because very happy to be here because we we did this for a long time, and then, um, and then I know that he's a big fan, so I was like, you know what? Let me let me hit up John and see if he wants to come. Yeah, sure, that's great. I'm glad so, you did, John. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we st- we started this for in, in order we started this about a little less than two years ago, basically in a nutshell to promote a big show that we wanted to put together. Right, right. That never happened, but the podcast continued. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like your anthrax story, you wanted to it is, right? <laughs> it <didn't> come. <laughs> Festival didn't work out for you. Right. It's kind of like a cool thing you got going. It's a nice streak. Something came out of it. <laughs> something came out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's always something comes out of it. Yeah. And you know. Like, it morphed into something, I don't know, it was a specific thing, and now I pretty much talk to whoever, and because of the advent of, like, social media, it seems like there's a lot of people that don't communicate face-to-face a lot of times, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I've, I've, people have hit me up, oh, we could do it over Skype or a phone call, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do it that way, I'd rather have an organic, you know, and, and drink... Fuego. Fuego. With Walter Schreifels. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's it's, it's just more personal and a more organic conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, than being on the phone. I agree. Yeah. So, now, I'm grateful and I, I love doing it. And I don't make a dime off of it. But certain things and certain people, like I said, I'm grateful for everybody who's been on. And, but... Like, this is one of those times where it pays off in a different way for me on a personal level. Mm. Because I've been a huge fan. Oh, man, thank you. I've been a huge fan for a long time. Um, I'll get into whatever, you know, whatever. But as a little kid, I never claimed straight edge or anything like that. I've had my ups and downs with my things. I'm sober now. Four years, this, 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 that, and the other thing. But as a little kid... I found somehow or the other I found like break down the walls and that for some weird reason it spoke to me and and I had never even smoked a cigarette at that time in my life or anything like that but the anger and the aggression behind all that stuff it spoke to me and then you know all the things throughout the years and then I found quicksand and that was a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. So, and I've said this before, and I think I've texted it to you, and I've said it, I b- believe it was one of the early podcasts when we were doing like the hardcore lists and stuff sure, like yeah, that. Yeah. I think we both pretty much agreed is that I narrowed it down. You know, you get that stupid question, oh, you know, if you were deserted on an island and you had one record or whatever, and I think that that record for me would be slick. Mm-hmm. Like, hands down. Like, whenever, like, sometimes, ah, I don't know if I'm in the mood to listen to a podcast, or what do I want to listen to? I put on slip and I'm good. <laughs> I'm just picturing you week four on the island. <laughs> I made a turn. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Head to wall, like, yeah, wait a minute. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to put that out there. Thank you. And, Thank you. you know, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, your, you know, uh, you know, Tom Snyder and have, you know, questions really for you. Okay. I mean, I have a couple. I'm, <laughs> I have, no, it's just bullet points. No, no fancy stuff like that. <laughs> no fancy. No, I'm like, so, Walter, so blah, 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 blah. Like, no, yeah. you know, okay. no formal interview stuff. Right. But I do have a couple of things. Not really questions, but uh, just bullet points so I can. Great. So when I leave here, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, like, I didn't, you know, how, how did I not, you know, mention Moondog? Right, okay. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And there's. You got some good handwriting there, buddy. Yeah. I write like a girl. Is that bad? No, it's great. It's good. I always mine. Mine has gotten worse over the years. Yeah, I I look at it. It's pretty unpolished. What's happening? When I was like nine years old, my mom shows me like letters I wrote. You know, my Christmas card or whatever Mother's Day card, and my handwriting's pretty much around that Mm -hmm. level. Nice. Yeah, it's just a thing. We just don't do it. Yeah. We don't do it. I bet we can We can do this great. Yeah. Anyway. See, I enjoy it. I enjoy writing. I enjoy fit. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's just me. It does look nice. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> My handwriting. You know, just to, you know, not to go too crazy yeah. about Slip, but just yeah. to, you know, now that we're talking uh-huh. about it, I might as well say the yeah. same. Like, you know, Slip was a, a really important record for me, too. Um, definitely a game changer for me. You need to talk louder so the listeners can hear your <laughs> sexy voice, Sean. <laughs> Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, Just, uh, I'm not that guy, but I'll try. Well, anyway, um, go, can, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I slip that. was. I gotta say, there's there's probably a little slip <laughs> in in every record I think I've ever recorded. Oh wow! To Thank some you. to some degree, in some way, all the Candiria stuff and all the Spilacopa project, the stuff I did with Greg from Dillinger Escape Plan, like. Uh-huh. That EP, like from a guitar player's uh-huh. perspective, and just an energy and feel vibe. Thank you. But uh, yeah, so when he actually hit me up, I was like, you know what, man, just wanted to say thank you because no problem. It was nice of you to do that because I haven't done this podcast in quite a while. Yeah, episode fifty. Yeah, I had to, you know what I mean. I have so many things. I have the record label, yeah. and just if you know, people are wondering why I don't do it anymore. Just too many passion projects. Like yeah. I was just going broke, right, you know, basically. Right. So. I'm honored that you would come back. Sure, I mean for, this for is this, uh, for this meeting. Cool, yeah. thank you, yeah, thank you, that. thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate the time. Yeah, man. So, yeah. where do we want to begin? Uh, I don't know. We kind of already started. Yeah, well, I know, I know, but kind of like, yeah. You want to read my handwriting? Sure. And you can look and see. <laughs> Well, Where'd I you go. I just have you know bands and then oh it was on. There's so much stuff here. I've done a lot of stuff. Yeah, you've done a lot of things. That's a lot why of passion I, projects myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I had to write it because there's so much. There is a lot. There is a lot. I actually, I would like to ask you. Yeah, yeah. You know, continuing on this yeah. conversation about that record, how do you feel about it now? Like looking back on it. Uh, I think of it as well. It's 25 years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess just. Uh, you know, I mean, you you make records and then. Um, you listen to them so much mm-hmm. at the time and there's so much like about it you know whether it's you know hard easy or whatever the, the getting it done and you listen to all the mixes and you do all that kind of stuff and you, you know, get the artwork and there's so many little decisions that go into making a record and then once it's kind of done and it's out you kind of you know there's the initial like I hope people like it sure and then after a while you're kind of like okay people like it don't like it or whatever and then you kind of settle into that 
and then it just kind of has its own life outside of you. And so I guess I think of it in that way. Like, I don't really listen to it too often, but once in a while I'll hear it and I'm like, oh, wow, it mm-hmm. sounds cool. Actually, I like that. What's the biggest song? That, you know, I hear it more through someone. I hear it through people because I get compliments on it, right? Mm-hmm. So then I think, okay, now I can hear it a little bit through the ears of people, how, how they would listen to it, whereas I hear like... I wish I had put that overdub there, or that's a little too loud. <laughs> too bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different set of ears. Sure, sure, sure. If only we had, if we had recorded that a little bit faster, I think this would have been. You know, mm-hmm. so I can't. I just have that tendency, sure. but mm-hmm. maybe slip is far enough away that I can go like, wow. You know, I can see why the, there was why that had some sort of resonance. I also think when a record comes out. It's like context, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the, the time that it came out in, mm-hmm. the, where, you know, my, where I was at, where, the, you know, my peers were at, you sure. know what I mean? Same like, here, too. It's that sure. time and place also. And, you know, the, and a record will hit on a certain level with people for those reasons. You know, maybe you were ha- having, just having a good time in your life, and that was the record that yeah. was playing That's while that was happening, yeah. and yeah. That, that just makes some sort of powerful connection and I think with that record it found that with enough people that it still resonates and Mm so you know you can't obviously I wanted the album you know for my part I wanted it to be really good I like I threw everything I had at making it Mm -hmm. good but there's no telling what the result can be mm-hmm. you know what I mean so I'm, I'm just happy about that yeah. that's my my feeling about it yeah cool. and it's like nothing as far as off the top of my head like I have nothing before that or necessarily not really necessarily since but uh-huh. nothing has ever sounded like that like it, it's like yeah. a, a whole new thing yeah sure yeah you know and if my timeline is right because I did do a little bit uh, of research uh-huh. it's like you you created Moondog after Gorilla Biscuits broke up, right? Uh, well, it was more along the same time frame because right. I was even doing Quicksand at the same time as, as GB. We really, Moondog kind of came out of when um, See, when we were making when we were making the Start Today record. You know, I wrote the lyrics for GB, so I would put the uh, a vocal. I did a vocal take as a guide, mm. right? To kind of because I was going on tour, and that vocal tape. You know, we ended up working together on it, and you know, Sid sings it in his really in his own way. You can hear from the tape that I did, but I did just a whole take and one of the whole album in like one take. Somehow that tape got around, and so I started getting praise for that tape, and so it kind of led me to think, well, why don't I just sing for a band too? Then I don't have to like. If I'm writing the lyrics already anyway, yeah. why don't I just try to take a stab at that? So me and Luke made a tape uh, that I did put some vocals down on, and some of it was just kind of unfinished, and that was Moondog. And then that tape kind of got around, even though it wasn't really meant to be released, but we did play a couple of shows. We played one at CB's. The yeah. Armand on drums, which wow. was so dope. Wow. Armand and uh, Howie, who played in uh, Alone in the Crowd, and... Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Luke was on bass. Actually, he didn't play drums. Uh, and uh, Tom Capone on guitar. Yes. So Tom Capone was in Moondog, and then Moondog played ABC No Rio. Only we added Sam on drums, Sam Siegler, because Armand was you know on tour or whatever. Of course. And uh, 
And then Tom was working with Sergio Vega at, I think, Whole Foods or one of, one of the downtown, uh, I think it was Whole Foods on, on uh, Prince Street or Spring. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so he played with us. And we played ABC No Rio, and then Alan Cage was at that show, and uh, and then Sam had to leave the band because of Judge. I know the story's getting kind of woods in the woods here. But, <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, but There's a lot, weeds. so of course I figured it. But then Alan, we then Alan was an awesome drummer. I knew him from Beyond, mm-hmm. and uh, so then that was how Quicksand formed through Moondog. Right. Moondog was, ri- and then once Alan joined the band. We kind of didn't play the Moondog songs anymore, so that just kind of became its own thing right. until until Slip came out, and then uh, someone who I, I don't know who, but someone told me who it was. Uh, not that it matters, but anyway, someone bootlegged the Moondog record, right, and put it with the you know kind of corny at the time Quicksand press release, which was our version. Sounds like. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, fans of yeah. It was just some cheesy industry thing (laughs) that they put on the uh, on the the bootleg. So it was kind of like this is the message that was somehow this was like the cool underground shit, and now you're listening to that really corporate quicksand shit. You know what I mean? Like to you know, this is like this is was the scene politics Mm -hmm. at that at that you know stage of development right. and um, so that was the kind of thread between those two bands and you know in the end it's it's cool that uh, you know that, that that it had that dynamic actually sure. you know what I mean but uh, but that would have been the equivalent in like one bootleg you know like nowadays if you do anything probably I mean I don't pay attention except to other people's stuff to some degree right. but you know like if you look on any sort of comment section everyone's like massively pissed off against this or defending that or praising that you know what I mean it's just like how people are just so unloading Mm -hmm. in that time it would be just like a bootleg Mm -hmm. one one isolated thing (laughs) that people would either buy in which case they've already bought you know they've accepted the music sure but with a little bit of poison Mm -hmm. in it (laughs) alright that's kind of interesting I don't know that's I don't know what the original question was I don't even know what it is either kind of went off on a tangent no that's fine yeah that's fine so, can we backtrack a little bit and like your youth to today days and stuff yeah, like sure. that? Yeah, sure. I do have, which I did not know, and like I said, I did a little bit of research, and I, you know, sometimes Wikipedia can be uh, a little off or whatever. But I was, I went to the youth to today page, and there was like the, all the lineups, all the different uh, lineups, and uh, all, you know. Uh-huh. But it, it, there was one show where a guy named Steve Reddy sang. Steve Reddy, yeah. And Ray Capo was on bass. Right. And the reason why he was on bass and you weren't is because before that show you broke your ankle. Yeah, well we had on that tour... In 87. Yeah, on that tour, that was in 87, that was 88. Same damn Wikipedia. Yeah. So, um... (laughs) We were on, uh... We were on tour... I guess it was for We're Not In This Alone, maybe? And... Steve Reddy, who uh, was a friend of ours, he was in uh, lived in Albany, and um, he's just a cool hardcore guy. Like he had sang in a band called Wolfpack up there. Okay. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think they really put much out, but anyway, cool guy. You know, back then you had to have like 
heavy dudes on tour with you because it was like you would have you would have been a good guy. You, <laughs> you I don't know if we would have needed as much. <laughs> but, I'll bite ankles. But no. you would have probably just made the cut. Maybe I have to right. see you standing up. All right. Um, but you know you needed tough dudes. I mean, yeah. And Steve was a sweetheart. He was not a violent guy at all. Right. But he was a dude like you needed a couple dudes that could fight because you'd be going into these different. Sure. Uh, Towns and there'd be like Nazis and there'd be like yeah, people yeah, that scene was different. You didn't, you know, or just you had would have usually be Nazis, honestly. Mm-hmm. That you you would have to get in a fight that you could get in fights with. Sure, security at clubs, you know. And we were teenagers, so anyway, Steve was kind of like our muscle because all of the youth today guys look tough. They look muscular. They're all like five foot four. We're yeah. all like little, little and little I, I, that's, I look like the tall guy in the van. <laughs> you are, I think. Um, <laughs> so, um, but anyway. How old were you when you joined Youth Today? Uh, it's probably like 17, okay. 18, I don't know, wow. something like that. But, um, okay, I'm trying to get, speed up the story. But So anyway, Steve was on tour with us. We're traveling around. And on that tour, there was like eight of us crammed in this like 70s cargo van with like the, uh, the cap on the top sleeping up there. So there was like yeah. three different levels. It was this whole crazy, you know... Uh, magic machine and uh but it was you know we had no uh the the, you'd have to it was so tweaked you'd have the uh the the engine cap in the front Mm -hmm. but we'd have to leave it open for Mm -hmm. some reason so just be funneling like red hot air into the we were dying it's the worst (laughs) we would dry our laundry on it and um (laughs) anyways getting into that we got into a very and you said it was super competitive group like mm-hmm. just of individuals we were just massively competitive yeah so we got into these like daring like diving competitions and um you know where we would find bridges and do flips and you know in pools right. we would do gainers half game we were just competitive especially on diving and then That's we odd. yeah all right and then just not, and then it would just be kind of oh yeah we were jumping off like we went to this quarry and we were like we were doing sick shit that I didn't even want to do. Right. But it was like after school special peer pressure shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I know this is really dangerous. I could die doing this, but I'm just going to do it because I don't want them to call me pussy. Right. No, and that would be, and that, dying would be better. Then be yeah. calling, then everyone get, chanting pussy at me right. doing it. Right. Um, so it was that level. And then just in Washington State, we were like really just at the peak of this because we were halfway through the tour. And we were just, you know, always just malnourished and just nuts. And at this point, I had, we have just gotten so into this. Like, I had a mohawk and I had purple, dyed it purple. And it was just, like, loose as hell. Just like, I'll do anything. I'm ready. Let's rip it. And we were just on this sick half pipe. And uh, I just got too, like, ambitious. Mm -hmm. And... and it just, my whole thing came to an end right there. I, I broke my ankle on the half pipe. And uh, so it was kind of interesting. I got stuck in, in Washington and uh, I stayed with this really amazing family there. And, um, you know, was there for like a week and a half for my, my cast to, my, you know, my ankle to get into a place where I could fly back to New York. And there was all these, you know, it was a Mormon family. They had all, you know, like eight kids. And they were all just like looking after me and talking to me. And they were all so cool and so sweet. And I even went to like Mormon services, which I was pretty self-conscious about because I had a (laughs) purple mohawk and a blue cast. (laughs) And they gave me like a white shirt to wear. And it was like a mixer. It was so trippy. (laughs) 
uh, but, but very nice and, I, and, 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 I, and they were so kind to me and it's funny I remember going you know when I left it was like hey is there anything I'm so grateful to you forever like what could I is there anything I could do for you to, to you know to show you know that you want from New York or something like that yeah. and they they wanted of all things they wanted fanny packs really because really? fanny packs had just that come out that was the big wow. thing that's right and so and New York had all the best fanny packs wow so I got uh, like eight fanny packs and mailed them back to Washington that's an odd wow. request yeah but it was totally made sense at the time yeah that's, that's so that's so crazy man. so with you know early on Youth Today is the kind of band that is like the show was going on like you're not just because Walter is not here does not mean we give a shit right, right like right. we wish him the best of luck right but we're, what, the thought of canceling the tour doesn't is not even for right. a second happening right so Steve Ray could play I guess however they worked it out I think they mixed it up for a little while it ended up with Luke Abbey who was on the tour too who was the drummer of Gorilla Biscuits ended up playing bass mm. for most of the rest of the tour but I think for the first day or two mm-hmm. Ray wanted to play bass Ray is an awesome dude he's the best front man he's so inspiring in so many ways but on bass he's not I wouldn't get want him in my band right. <laughs> he wouldn't be my first choice right. and um, and so uh, I think Steve sang and uh, maybe maybe Luke played drums or Sa- no Sam was there so Sam played drums uh, and uh, I guess the fans were probably annoyed they want to see Ray Capo sing sure. and so then they flipped it back around sure. yeah very cool. I didn't wow. see any of those shows. No. So I was wow. back in I was back in New York in the middle of the summer, wow. sitting in my in my parents' house, just like with your blue cast measure. My blue cast just and I think it was my first semester of college mm-hmm. was coming up, uh-huh. and I went to my first semester of college in a blue cast, like and uh. and it's like I thought long and hard about my skateboarding career, and I never really. I never activated, reactivated. No, wow. I was. I, I kind of took it as a sign as I'm not very good at skateboarding. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, things happen. I mean, I do skateboard occasionally, but I didn't. I wasn't as. Uh, kind of took some of the life out of it. But I put more life into music. Hmm? Well, I got more into yeah, that. It's less dangerous. Go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I mean it's apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, friggin' list, yeah. So, can I ask a question? Um, what, yeah, what actually was the? What was your? What were you hearing like growing up? What music were you hearing? Like, was your family listening to music? Were they big music fans? Uh, I think when I was little, really little, um, my parents' taste ranged from. Uh, my mother was more into the kind of Cat Stevens, Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. Donovan. She had some kind of cool, folky records and occasional psychedelic twist. Um, there's a band called the New York Rock and Roll Ensemble, which is pretty trippy. Uh, some Donovan records are pretty trippy. Um, my dad's taste was more, you know, and, and when I was a kid, things that were popular, it's like Crosby, Stills, Nash, mm-hmm. Young, that kind of stuff. So when I was little, although I, I you know, my first years were spent in Rockaway, my parents both went to school in Penn State University, uh, PSU in, in so I lived there for a number of years as well. So it was like hippie time in yeah. the 1970s. So you'd hear, you know, whatever, nothing super... I guess it's hard to say what was cutting edge, but it was just like hippie kind of music. Yeah. I just think of Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Carol King, and all that kind of stuff was just happening. And then um, my dad's taste kind of ranged into the kind of Steely Dan mm-hmm. audiophile. He's kind of Beach Boys... I know he's into that. 
Uh, but then, um, you know, as I got older, my cousins, you know, I moved back to Rockaway. My cousins started to influence what I would listen to, you know, uh, you know, if you live live in Rockaway, you're going to be into uh, Bruce Springsteen. You know, you're going to be into, yeah. you know, that that's going to be part of it. But also, you know, classic rock stuff that I'd hear on, like, WPLJ. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of normal education. Sure. Yeah. And then, um, but, you know, as I got a little bit older and I would hear you know, The Clash or something like that on the radio, that would kind of pique my interest, or Joan Jett or things. Blondie was really huge. Uh, but I think really the thing that kind of sparked my kind of taste for, you know, this kind of like, I don't know what you'd call it, but, you know, New Wave or Punk or stuff like that would be staying up late to watch Sign Out Live and seeing just weird stuff that you'd have no idea what it was. Like, yeah. staying up, I remember staying up to see... B-52s on Saturday Night Live when I was a little kid and just you know B-52s just come on I was like I don't know how old I was 10 years old 11 years old and it just being so far out it's like I want to live in that freaky world yeah 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 and um you know my cousin took me to see uh a double feature with uh Kids Are Alright the movie the Who movie Mm -hmm. and the movie before the kids are all right, or after I can't remember now, was uh, Rock and Roll High School, the mm-hmm. Jones movie, which is you know when it first had come out, and that really I needed to find that mm-hmm. world. Yeah. And so once that happened, of course I was still into like Tom Petty mm-hmm. and you know uh, you know maybe more of the kind of I don't know if that would, that would be kind of on the cooler side of mainstream you know Elvis Costello stuff that my cousins were listening to or yeah. Talking Heads or something like that mm-hmm. uh, but the Ramones kind of opened me up and then I got I started listening to a station called WLIR from Long Island mm-hmm. and they played a lot of like British import stuff so that's where I first heard the Smiths I heard the first Smith single when it came out mm-hmm. and all these kind of like uh, OMD or Depeche Mode like these kind of bands yeah. were, were when they were coming out I was listening to them and that's also how I learned about hardcore because they had a hardcore show hmm. on WLAR I think really? it was Sunday night it's called the Midnight Riot and you know I'd school the next day going to like 7th grade or 8th grade or whatever grade I was in at that time yeah. and you know staying up at night and then pressing play and record on my, you know, Set JVC tape. jam box yeah. <laughs> at a very, very low volume, you know, sharing room with my brother. Uh-huh. And we're listening to, you know, the Midnight Riot where, you know, I can just remember turning it on and, like, the first song I'm hearing was, uh... <laughs> Holiday in Cambodia. just being like what the fuck is happening here what a great band. Yeah. and then that was the dead Kennedys sure. with Holly and I was like whatever this is mm-hmm. I need to find it mm-hmm. so that was like your period, pretty much like you're turning your, your little everyone has like that little thing that it clicks mm-hmm. I think the Ramones kind of opened the, the, the door and also the Ramones had the song Rockaway Beach the so people mm-hmm. in Rockaway Beach sure. where in Rockaway did Ramones. you live? Uh, I lived in Bell Harbor and a few okay. different streets but um, most on 34th Street. Bell Harbor's beautiful. Little, it is. I was over there recently with my know, daughter. It's kind of a typical, not typical, but, you know, it's very similar to Long Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah, suburbs. absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful over there. Yeah. Because yeah, everybody has that, that little that little click. You know, like like I was saying before, my my silly anthrax story. It's like I grew up listening to Gold. 
like, I had a baby. I've said this a million times, but I, I had a babysitter. I was like nine. My father was off doing yeah. whatever he was doing, and she had Motley Crue shout at the devil. I have rules. Yeah. Rules still to this day. It does. Yeah. Just the imagery oh, yeah. as like an eight, nine year old. Like, even though if you look back and now it's silly. But no, it's cool, dude. It's just like whatever was cool about Kiss. Yeah. But What's it's cool? like p- sharper, p- yeah, punker yeah. songs. Yeah. And then it was that, and I think it might have been the same exact day, which Twisted Sister Stay Hungry. Mm. Yeah. And from there, it just kind of that opened the door, and then Leeway, '89, mm. oh, was so, so good. Turned me. I went yeah. to go see Suicidal Tendencies yeah. at Leeway. It was White Zombie Leeway yeah. Suicidal. Le- Leeway were amazing at that time. Mm-hmm. Best. I mean, their songs are so good, but it, I mean, that was like. Super Prime Eddie was such a great great front man yeah. like no one like him because yeah. everybody that's why I spend that's not all the time yeah. probably roll their eyes yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you gotta hear his freaking leeway story <laughs> of course absolutely <laughs> well listen we're having a conversation <laughs> that's another band that we we both like that's another yeah. band for me like yeah. as, a, as a young guitar player listening to metal and being yeah. you know wanting to shred or wanting yeah. to be able to do this or that yeah. Yeah, and then my over. and then my friends all my friends were fans of Youth of Today Gorilla Biscuits and and I was still on this like wait what about where the riffs yeah well, I mean it has riffs but it's not it does not play with that tightness and precision mm-hmm. that that uh, AJ mm-hmm. brought to it and and that kind of interesting kind of diagonal sure. twists yeah and that that for me was really like a band that I found a lot of inspiration in and then all of it just made sense to me because yeah. you know like. I mean, for many people, I think that the the thing about hardcore music, it's really about the, the scene, the idea, community. You know, there's just so much more. Yes. It's not just about music, it's about... Uh, music is... And it, there's some great bands, but there's a lot of... Shitty bands that make it on the fact that they're st- they're so embrace the other parts of it. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the music. There's some bands that are musically just good or better than others, but there's some bands that their music isn't as good, but their hearts so powerful. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I think you can make it on. You totally can. You know, and that's I think that's, that's kind of the beauty of it. I, I agree with you 100. percent I think that's the amazing thing about the hardcore scene or the you know yeah, yeah the hardcore scene. Let's just call it that. Yeah. Sure. Um, we all get it. You know. You know um, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's like there's no easier way to like if you start a band yeah. to just like boom automatically like wow we there's like 50 people here you right. know like because because people you know, just want to want to know and mm-hmm. you're going to be quickly forgiven mm-hmm. for your lack of musical ability absolutely and yeah. that's, that's not the that's who's the excuse who's, yeah we fucked the ass punk rock who's gonna right who's gonna <laughs> criticize you for that yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah 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 you can you can completely shit the bed on stage yeah. that's punk rock right. it's, it's, it's like your past yeah but for me you know I, I definitely there are bands that just you know you I mean, for my leeway would be AF, you know, where you have... Oh, like, without a doubt. I think Victim in Pain is like... Sounds like garbage if you just play it for somebody, oh, which is awesome. It's mm-hmm. so good. Because they're so like... You play it for them, it sounds like garbage, and you're just like, see, I like this. I love that. <laughs> and, and, and it's so powerful. It's so... Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's just like having something that other people don't understand mm-hmm. is, right. is really, especially at a young age, mm-hmm. a good way to like... Help identify yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, 
But if you listen to AF, there's there's still a lot of musicality and it is still just like Absolutely. perfect. Mm-hmm. And the lyrics and the cadence and everything about it. If you you know if it was a, if I were to judge it on you know I would give it A's straight A's. Mm-hmm. Sure. I don't think there's a weak moment. No. In Victim of Pain? No. It's not, there's nothing. There's nothing. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, like, I was having this conversation with someone else, you know, like, quality is, you know, obviously subjective, you know, I mean, what's right for one band and artist. Yeah. It's like, you know? some, it's like, yeah. it's like Lou Cole. album, you know. It's yeah. like Lou, like, sick of it all, he's like, we had him on stuff like that, and we'd speak every once in a while, and he can't stand Blood, Sweat, and No Tears because mm-hmm. of the production of it that's and right. the way it sounds. That's right. To me, right. that's one of my top three yeah. hardcore right. records ever made. Yeah. The production, is it good? No, it's not. But there's, it, there's something it about adds it. adds something to it that, that, that I love. It's like all, don't all those kids like that? I don't listen to black metal, uh-huh. but I know like the, the, there's like this like running joke about black metal, like the quality, the shitty the it's quality, so the more popular the album is, or something. Yeah, because it's just like, hey, guess what? I like black metal. Are you and you boot black metal? That sounds scary. You must be really a wild man. Oh yeah, do you want to hear what it sounds like? And then just play it, and it just sounds so awful. And you're just like, yup, I like it. It's like so powerful to like fuck with people. That, it's interesting that you say that because it's like, it's like that whole thing. Like you'll get there. That whole attitude. Like I'm there. You're I'm there. You don't get it. I mean, it's your like, palate will mature. That is obviously the part, the (laughs) aspect of, it's also, it's a human thing. I mean, if you go to like an art museum and people say, what the fuck is that? You know, my, my three-year-old could draw that. Right, right. Right, but the art, the people that get art Mm -hmm. are like, see, I like that. I see this in it. I see that in it. And you don't see it because I know and you don't. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's how people are. Sure. And so like in our whatever like circumstance was that was common to us and people that you know and by extension people that are getting into this kind of shitty music that we love is like there's something that brought us to this brand this Mm -hmm. flavor of uh, of uh, you know I don't know if it's opaqueness or or, or level of difficulty to get into it you know what I mean and um and that is something that I think, especially at a, when you're kind of coming up as a, as a person, if you're feeling like, you know, some sort of uh, need to identify yourself or whatever, that gets very attractive. It was to me, anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was into cool music. I was, before I was into Agnostic Front, the year before, you know, I'm listening to the Smiths and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Echo and the Bunnymen mm-hmm. and, and things that are, you know, U2, things that are, like, completely, or REM, like, things that would be absolutely way more pleasant mm-hmm. to listen to and, and also subversive to a certain group of sure, people. Sure, absolutely. You know, uh, although it's hard to imagine those bands because they're all stadium bands, but uh, or there's a couple of them are. But it's about... As soon as I got into hardcore, like I didn't, I didn't say that all that music sucks, but I wasn't interested in it anymore right. because hardcore was like, uh, yeah, it's such a lifestyle. Absolutely. I want to, I want to know every, I want to know who recorded it, who mm-hmm. played on it, and it all seemed like ancient shit, even though it had only come out like two years before I started to get into it. Yeah. But, you know, Jello by Afro would be like. 
more, I would be more blown away by meeting him than, you know, some of these other people, you know, oh, Bono at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe not, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I get it. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned who recorded what, and um, you made, I mean, this is, I sound like, I'm, I sound like a reporter. You made many records yeah. with, with Don Fury. Yeah, what, what was the guy that you said, uh, you sound like Tom Schneider. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> with your fancy inquiries. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you know, Don Fury's come up Bunch yeah, recently, like he's amazing. He is, and there's a there's I forget there's a there's this website called No Echo. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know that? yes. There's, they did a write up about our podcast. Did they? Come on, man. I don't know, dude. Yes, they did. Got to catch him up. He's not selling fifties. Thirty. He's thirty episodes <laughs> this is behind. Before, this him is some before slack. fifty. They did something for us. <laughs> All right. And but, go ahead, John. Anyway, Don Fury. Yeah. Uh, he made. Uh, did you you record? I knew you recorded the slip record. There was. Uh, we recorded a couple of tracks there. Um, recording slip. We uh, we ended up firing the original producer. We just it was just tough. You know, we came from making our own recording for like a thousand dollars or something like that, all our own way, mm-hmm. to you know recording this album for like I don't know two hundred fifty thousand dollars and by someone else's rules. Mm-hmm. It's like the. Seven inch, the seven inch in ninety was on Revelation, and then you got, then you went to Polydor. Yeah, right. ex- exactly. So, right. so I mean, to us, you know, this was within a year or something, or maybe yeah. maybe not even. I mean, maybe more or less. But uh, so, to me, at that time, I just thought this is really a big stupid fucking waste of money, and why are we? The producer at the time, I just we ended up butting heads. So we ended up getting the uh, engineer from the record from the that was doing the record to finish producing it mm-hmm. and uh, you know we had a good rapport with him and I felt it was more of a working relationship where the other guy was more like to my you know mind at that time you know which doesn't make me right but was like trying to like call the shots on this record it's like right. fuck you dude we can be friends we can work together but you're right, not right, right. this is our thing like we gotta live with this you mm-hmm. you can produce another band you know mm-hmm. yeah and so at the end of that, I really wanted to, I really petitioned to do a few tracks at, uh, at Don's because I felt so comfortable there mm-hmm. and felt in this new realm, which to be fair to our producer, like just seemed like too big time for me mm-hmm. and, yeah. too, and too much money was being spent and gotcha. it was, I was just a little over my head. And uh, so I wanted to be someplace where I felt comfortable, so we worked with Don, and um, and we recorded. From my memory, it was head to wall, and seven tries head to wall. Yeah, head to wall, and then there was another one. Tracks there. Freezing process? Mm-hmm. Not freezing process. Seven try head to wall. I keep saying fucking head to wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another one. <laughs> I was gonna say, wait a minute. On your side, one that you choose. Whatever that one. I can't think of it right now. But two of the I, I love both those ones. I think they're both they're both kind of like up and. Mm-hmm. Good vibe. I thought they. I think they add well to the record. Yeah. 
but they like can opener into omission. It's just ridiculous. Wow, awesome. Can so, opener into omission is not. Thank you. Why didn't you record all of them there then? If, if they, because because from a sonic perspective, like listening, I mean, I couldn't tell you this was. I know. Here or well, there. that's what I'm saying. That it, we were coming. In, we were out of our depth to some degree because. The time when, when once Nirvana hit, like everything was totally different because it was uh, they were just scouring to find independent releases mm. of bands wow. that they could grab. Sure. Because every label, every in our person, I mean, they got caught. I mean, you, you know, from my perspective, when we were going to these record labels, there was some. You know, Geffen had obviously signed Sonic Youth and Nirvana. And, you know, maybe a couple other savvy record labels had gotten ahead of it and taken some chances, but most of them hadn't taken any chances at all. They were still making money off of Cinderella, shit yeah, like that, yeah, and, sure, and yeah. just pop, you know? Sure. And so every one of those labels needed to get a new Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I understood that. And so I was conflicted about the fact that I didn't see us in that light really at all. I saw us as like a rock band in some ways, but we were drawing from like our backgrounds. Mm -hmm. Like we weren't trying to be hardcore. I was more inspired by like Jane's Addiction or Mm -hmm. Fugazi or uh, the bands that were kind of, or even Danzig or and a lot of hip hop. I mean, if you listen to the, you know, my cadence is super hip hop at that time because we're listening to Public Enemy Mm -hmm. and. but once we were put into that realm, they were operating on a kind of Cinderella, ba- you know, big time basis. So sure. that means that you're going to spend a shitload of money at a very big studio with a producer that's basically going to be a cop in right. some degrees. Could be a friend, could be a cool cop, but he he's getting paid by us mm-hmm. to make sure that we get the product that we need, need to sell. Right. And that is fine, mm-hmm. really. Like, there's no problem with that. But um, from my perspective, you know, I, I struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. So uh, it was not, it was cool because I had all of a sudden, like, I wasn't worrying about money. Mm-hmm. I had a dope apartment in Manhattan, and things were, like, kind of easier and cool and fun, and I was getting free CDs, and all kinds of cool yeah. shit was yeah. happening for me. So that, that was really nice. Uh, and, uh, but on the other side of it is, by accepting all that money, you're, you're also, you know, nothing comes for free, so you're, you're surrendering a certain amount of control over mm-hmm. the project. Right. And uh, to be fair, I, I wouldn't say that the people I was working with were shitty or treated me bad. As a matter of fact, they were all really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just the actual, that actual transaction was just always hard for me to, mm-hmm. to really handle that lack of control and uh, because you know I felt I had done so well Mm -hmm. with being in control Mm -hmm. and his his role as producer did that did that also like was it like a song like from a song perspective like a writing perspective arrangement and all of that stuff Don? no the uh, when you went to the big studio oh uh a little bit, yeah. We had, we had done pre-production, which is something that we never mm-hmm. would have done. Right. Uh, and, you know, we worked through the songs. Uh, there was a certain element of... Uh, what you think at the time? You know, because we had made... We had made the record, the EP, probably a pretty good distance between... 
before we made this album. You know, there was probably like a good year and a half. I, I would have to see, but well, date wise, it's ninety and ninety three. Okay, so you see, there's a pretty big stretch. So they were hiring us. They were they were interested in us based on the sales, or, and you know, we had a. But we were so in such a different place at that time. So we had, to, in some ways, kind of dial it back in to what we were. Mm-hmm. Because at that time, I'd already just we had all discovered shoegaze. Mm-hmm. So we were into something totally else. Like, you know, if you listen to our EP, it makes a lot of sense in a kind of aggressive metal, heavy mosh thing. Yeah. And our album has aspect aspects of that because we use some of the same songs, but that might be indica- another indication of the fact that we were like onto something else that we couldn't really quite figure out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so going into the studio to, to dial in that record, there was a certain uncertainty about where the target was. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and uh, what kind of record were we going to make? Were we going to make a heavy record? Are we going to make a shoegaze record? Or So I think in the end, it was the sheer force of like everyone really wanting it to be something and everyone giving their best effort to that that created that put the energy into it that whatever it is it has some that power yeah. you know what I mean and, and, and even though you can't define it really necessarily as like any one genre or the other no you can't you know? I, I, yeah people say I mean it's lumped into a quote unquote post hardcore but mm-hmm. but it's unusual but I think it, in that Genre, yeah, so. absolutely, I agree. So I think it's that 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 kind of conflux of, of of you know the producer, the record label, me, each guy in the band, yeah. all just trying to like talk. Yeah, let's do it. You know, like I want it to be like this, or I don't want it to be like that, and everyone just being very intense about it. Sure. And in the end, having to be like, all right, we've this is it. Yeah. It's no one's real particular vision. Yeah. But everybody gave. You know their most love and their most hard fight yeah. to every every note. Yeah. You know it's it's interesting because we you know. Uh, I mean, I don't remember when I was younger. You know, there were there were labels. There were general like this is hardcore, this is punk, or this is metal. But then there's all like the subgenres of like post hardcore. But for me, like when you think about a band like Jane's Addiction, what do you call that? I think they were an anomaly. I mean, they were the only band that was like making cool rock music mm-hmm. before Nirvana on a big level. I mean, you had other bands like the Pixies were doing kind of a surf rock thing. Um, you know, there was bands like Husker Du. There were bands that were doing kind of cool rock music, but Jane's Addiction was like, to me, it was like, awesome. it's like the second coming of the Doors. Like yeah. they had awesome. like yeah. this kind of psycho, spiritual, mm-hmm. sexual vibe that sure. was just so amazing that I, I wanted. I thought that was the cool music, mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, and so you know we were definitely inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, but we couldn't quite do that because we were coming from hardcore. So anything we tried right. had that hardcore back end. Just we learned how to do it that way. So yeah. I think that's what what made what we did special because mm-hmm. we were tr- we were reaching out of our comfort zone, sure. but with you know our collective bag of tricks. You know, and I think each guy in quicksand was. 
you know, had had a real like Tom had a real metal voice. Like he knows Iron Maiden back and forth. Like I, it's, I know I'm familiar with the genre, but it's right. not my thing. Right. Uh, whereas Alan has this like real heavy Bonham presence and has this sort of like uh, marching band background. And Sergio was into like Amoebics and this like kind of you know discharge punk realm. And I brought my like you know kind of youth crew song pop structure uh-huh. I mean I brought the pop structure because I was into pop music anyway yeah you know not pop like Whitney Houston or right. George Michael necessarily but pop like the Smiths or pop like you know 60s pop right who's to do yeah shorter distance between the 7 inch and the slip you put slip and then you came out with matic compression yeah. but what was crazy is I still remember it like it was yesterday is I went up to my bedroom yeah. and I laid down I used to have a ritual this is when I used to smoke pot I would smoke sorry listen I was a kid yeah out of yourself it's legal <laughs> yeah well, well whatever I was like I don't know how old 19, 20 Put on my TV in my room. David Letterman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Quicksand. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. you guys did Dawn of My Side and Landmine Spring. Wow. And I was so like excited on a person. Like I didn't know you uh-huh. or anything like that. And I was just like, this fucking rules. <laughs> yeah. Like, Quicksand is on Letterman right now. Yeah. Like I was like happy for you guys. Like How'd that happen? Well, you must have been pretty high because I think you're confusing Letterman with Jon Stewart. Mm. No. Yeah. Well, when anyway, it was Are great. You sure. Letterman was very cool to us. He was always a, he was a fan early on. Um, and get out. He was it wasn't Letterman. I think it's Jon Stewart. Yeah. I didn't even know he had a show back then. Yeah, yeah. You were high. Yeah, well. Maybe I was. <laughs> I, I definitely was. Wow, don't I feel like an I mean, I, I, I shouldn't have blown that story because I actually prefer that. But um. Yeah, we, <laughs> wow. It was trippy. I mean, we were just doing cool stuff. I mean, that's why, in a way, you know, we signed up for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you wouldn't have access Yo, to that kind of stuff. It's crazy how your mind works because for all these years, right. remember it for is, all these years, yeah, I remember that with, as David Letterman. It's the same thing with the Don Fury thing. I always and connect I would, this I would, record. Like, I always connect please, Jim, please forgive me. Okay. For blowing that story. Actually, edit out this part. No, <laughs> I'm not going to edit it out. Let's just let the Letterman no, thing that's sit. That's okay to be, to be corrected. <laughs> it's fine. Just let the Letterman thing sit. You're forgiven. Because you're going to get comments on that if people of comment. Of course. But, um, it's all good. What was it? What was the? Uh, what was your? What was your no, it's, it's, like? it's just funny how how memory is. Memory is like you know when you think about things, you remember them a certain way, and it's always like Don Fury and Slip. It's always been this thing that was just like so so much more of a connection. And I'm I mean, I he was, you worked he was with important. Him. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. to me, like without the songs that he worked on, the record wouldn't have worked mm-hmm. because we, we it was like so. He, he definitely played. We just had chemistry with Don. We didn't have to do this bullshit. I mean, I think it's good actually. I shouldn't call it bullshit, but like, uh, you know, working through the songs, trying to like, you know, we were playing the game mm-hmm. with Don. You didn't have to play the game. We just gotcha. go in, and we were a good band, mm-hmm. so we we could, you know, like I thought playing the game was like why we why we playing to a click track. Click mm-hmm. tracks are stupid. They take <laughs> they take all the vibe out of the playing, and we're just gonna waste time. Have Alan play to stupid click track. Mm-hmm. All right. 
Like that seemed to me like some rock star bullshit. Fugazi yeah. don't play to a click track. Why are we playing to a click track? Yeah, really. But I now as an adult can see that it's reasonable for uh, a song to ha- maintain a steady thing, and I can see why the guy that's producing the record would not want to hand in a record that had could be criticized as having these fluctuating tempos. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um. You know, it's just being in that in that time. But as far as me- memory is concerned, I like having my relationships with my friends in, in different bands that I played in. You know, and I, my career has been with so many different groups of musicians. But it's cool when you have these friends that can just remember certain things about the same. Some things that I said that I was like, I said that. Yeah. <laughs> that was really cool. I said that. Or like, <laughs> or the converse, like. What a dick I was yeah. at that time. Like, sure. Why would I say I that? I don't know why I did that. Yeah. Like, really? You know what I mean? It's cool to have those different perspectives mm-hmm. on, on your memory. Yeah. Crazy. So then, all right, quick, so you, so you went to Manic Impression. He's going to go through all of it. No, I'm not. I'm not. Listen. I mean, I, But there's, there's a couple of things I'm just curious this about. This is your yeah. podcast, bro. This yeah. is our podcast oh, right now. Yeah. This is not mine. Yeah. So, um... So what comes after quicksand? After quicksand dissolves for a little while. Uh, after quicksand, rival schools. Rival schools. Well, it was a little kind of a when quicksand broke up. It kind of corresponded with a big change in the music business at that time. Of course. At our company, um, which that was we run on island six. It, probably it sounds about right. Ninety six, ninety seven. Okay. And uh, they, the you know, it was just like a big corporate. Shakedown and one company bought the other company, and so all these bands got dropped. And uh, I was just like hanging low, yeah. I wasn't really. They had kept my contract initially from Quicksand when Quicksand disbanded. What label was Matic Impression on? It was, uh, on, it was on Island, Island, okay. And so my contract, they held on to it, but then this, you know, and I had maybe made some demos. I had made demos, and I just kind of got stuck in this really shitty world, actually, now I think about it. It's, uh, it's just something that major labels do. You just get in this zone where they don't want to... Because the records are so expensive to produce and promote, they will agree to have a record by you, but they don't want to spend the money until they feel like it's a sure shot or they need to write it off or whatever their criteria is. You're not a new signing anymore. So it's not like you're just a different in a different place on the board. Mm -hmm. And so what they'll do is just kind of have you make demos. And that was, that was crushing for me to be honest because I, I wasn't, I just, now my new audience was just basically my A&R guys. And so they were kind of concerned about, um, you know, whatever hit they were working on or whatever hit at another label that they thought I should be like. And so now I'm no longer connecting to my audience. I'm like trying to make some song that I think that they want to hear so that I can make the record, right. which I'm not even really that psyched about making anyway, because anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm just kind of like burnt out on this whole deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it gets kind of, it kind of was just wearing me out anyway. And, you know, and I don't, 
I'm not blaming anyone for anything. It was just that's the way that it was. Yeah. And uh, and then the, then the record label got bought out, so shitloads of people got fired. Shitloads of people got all, bands that were like way bigger and, and had sold lots more records than me had been dropped. So I was just kind of waiting. I was planning to join the fire department at mm-hmm. that point. I thought that would be a good job. People like firemen. Yeah. I could still do my music when I wanted to if I felt like it. But I was pretty burnt out on the whole thing. And, uh, you know, this will be my, you know, maybe I'll get some sort of severance buyout on my contract or something. That that will be cool. And, um, but it didn't, it, the people at Island that came in, Def Jam, uh, Rob Stevenson, who's a really, I mean, he's one of the most successful A&R guys in, in the business still today. Uh, one of Kind of was a new guy and said, I want to keep Walter's contract. So awesome. So I'm sitting there with Lior, Cohen, and and uh, Rob, and uh, Jeff Fenster, and, and uh, what was the other guy? Just these, they call me up, and I'm just in this meeting with these kind of heavy hitters, and they're like, We want you to make a record. Mm-hmm. And you know, we know you've been in this kind of zone, whatever. And uh, so I was like, Cool, let's do it, you know. So, um it kind of, you know, again started this process of, you know, taking some of the best, better songs from what I had done and getting a band. Uh, so it eventually became Rival Schools. And, uh, you know, and that was a different thing, too. Again, it was like I was not a new signing. So I had to, and the, and the business had changed. What was popular had changed. And, um, you know, bands like Sum 41 were the big mm-hmm. shit at yeah. that time. And, you know, we didn't sound like that at all. You know, so we kind of came, we came out in a sort of, uh, in, in a sort of, again, anomaly way, you know, where I think Quicksand was similar. You know, there was no, we could play with, you could be associate us with certain bands, but we were never really a genre right. band. And, uh, you know, so that went really well in, in a lot of ways. We, we found a lot of popularity and uh, acceptance in UK and Europe. The United States, I think we were just kind of like, they didn't, the record label didn't really push us in the United States, and so we didn't really get a shot, and they didn't, they didn't do a single. Mm-hmm. They just kind of put it out. And so, you know, we did good. We could play around the country. We did some cool touring, and it was awesome. In Europe, it was more of a, I don't know. It was on TV a lot more. It was kind of exciting. It was fun. More than quicksand ever, really. It was very cool, actually. Really? Overseas? In England in particular. And by England, that means extension to Ireland, Australia, uh, and Europe. Wow. Uh, So we were... You know, we were... It was it was a really... It was very cool. I mean, I would have rather been popular in the United States, too. But in the United States, we were, you know, a good band playing clubs. Yeah. Now, is this around the same time... What's the time frame between this and Walking Concert? Uh, Rival Schools, we did Guitar Player Quit. And, uh, you know, I was just sick of it. Again, we were in another another fucking major label thing where we're making demos again. Uh, and his point is just like, you know, we weren't getting along to, to, to a degree as well. And we just tore the shitload. And again, I'm just thinking like... Not really making peace with the fact that this is what I do. This is who I am. Like I, I make music. I, I just thought like this is aggravating, and the amount of money I'm getting paid to do this is not worth the aggravation. Right. And I didn't really consider 
how I could change within the structure of what I was doing by asserting my energy there. At that point, I was just like, fuck this shit. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And you get so, to that breaking point, man. And I just wanted to make music that I wanted to make on my own terms and, um, and not have to deal with anybody's bullshit. Not, not any, I didn't want to deal with anybody else's ego. I didn't want to deal with uh, any record label bullshit. Uh, but in the end, that's always a part of it. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's what I realize is like, and how much control and power you have over any situation in terms of like how how much you're willing to deal with it or how much you're willing to say fuck you right. or how much you're willing to say, you know. I understand you're this, I'm here, let's go there, have a direction, communicate. There's lots of other different solutions. I mean, if your interest is in moving forward musically, which is really, has always been that for me, because I, it would have been smart to keep Gorilla Biscuits going in a lot of ways, because we were successful yeah. at what we were doing. But um, for me, it's always been about that musical... Every record that I make is a reaction to the last one. It yeah. just always has and been all, that yeah, it's, it's And like every all, band is a reaction to the last band. Yeah, it's all different. It's all different, which is amazing. It's cool for... It's, I think it's cool for the people that catch the thread. Absolutely. But if you don't catch the thread, you wouldn't know that Rival Schools... People that are love Rival Schools, it's like one of their favorite bands in the whole world. Right. Don't know Quicksand. Mm -hmm. Right. Some people that heard it will get it, and some people hear Quicksand and not get it at all. It's just right. like any artist that you that does varied projects or you know if a solo artist is doing you know you like certain records where you just really link up with them mm -hmm. and other records where you're just like ah oh, it's too this or too that for yeah. me what was up with, which I was unaware of Walter and the Motorcycles? That was just a kind of a placeholder name. Okay. Because, uh, you know, I've always wanted I was to... Like, that's, a, that's a different name. Well, the idea is to be... Well, my name is Shrifles. Everyone pronounces it like Shrifles or Shrifales. Okay. So I thought, what is the closest thing that would balance my last name? Uh, Motorcycles, Shrifles, which doesn't work really either. <laughs> but I get it. But I, we just played a couple gigs under that. It's a little reach, but I get it. We played uh, like maybe two shows under that name. Right. Or maybe even just one, but yet people that still keeps coming up. Really? So maybe it was effective. Mm -hmm. All right. Maybe, maybe I should have stuck stuck that one out more. But I wanted to do something. Um, I had the ambition to do something under my own name, just mm -hmm. so that I, I would control it more. Sure, yeah. But um, my last name is just so hard, and I don't. I I, I just I, guess I never felt comfortable. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. See, maybe it's just my own hang up that I, I don't feel. I like. mean, you know, I feel the same way. I have a funny last name. I think. Lamakia. Yeah. Well, my last name is Ferrari. And people like uh, they're like Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. Yeah, but Ferrari's sexy. Walter, I, it's like Walter you're moving Ferrari, fast. You'd be like, yeah, I'd be on the guy. <laughs> you see, and that's a great. I'm, I'm wearing my hair differently. <laughs> right. You see, that's a great segue about moving fast. And I'm a Ferrari. What's up with world's fastest car? World's fastest car again is is in this kind of fallow period where I'm, I wasn't really going to bring it up, but that was that was a nice segue. Yeah. Um, like uh, it's kind of in that period between. Quicksand and Rival Schools. Gotcha. It, it, it was when I was making demos, really. Mm -hmm. and, and actually, you know, we played some shows as World's Fastest Car. And I think that band could have been great, too. But it was just, again, I think that my audience was, the, the target I was trying to hit was the A&R department mm -hmm. to try to get the permission to make a record. Gotcha. And I, if I could look back at it now... I don't know how I could have done it differently, but I, I could have maybe uh, 
if I were in a different mind space, have just kind of disregarded that part of it and just played live. Yeah. But we uh, we would have had to stumble, and I think it was hard to coming off a of quicksand, which was you know successful and, and, and popular on a, on, a, on a level that I was comfortable with and happy about. Sure. Um, we could not have come out and necessarily had everyone love it in the same way because by presenting something new you're also clearing the board of something that people already like yeah. so it's like thanks I'm glad you have some new music but this new music represents you taking away the thing that I really like of course. Mm. and you have to have a lot of confidence or balls or something to really assert that on yeah. people but I, I you know I, don't, I, I probably underestimated what people would have thought or wasn't able to get together for whatever reason. So that, that ended up becoming rival schools. Mm. Okay. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. It's kind of like when you go, you, you know, it's like kind of like a bagel job. You know, I, <laughs> okay. like, I wanted this. Is it really like a bagel job? I wanted, I wanted this. I wanted that picture disc and ended up with a job. <laughs> All right. But, wow. You know what We're I mean? Circling around. Hey, you got a circle. Yeah. Uh, can I just, you know, I mean, go ahead and talk, I just man. wanted to mention the, um, the, the record. Illuminant. Oh, yeah. good. Thank you. Let's and, get back. Uh, I mean... Which one? The new one? Yeah, the new Interiors. record. Interiors. Yes, I'm sorry. Illuminant's sorry, a single, single. I, I'd make the same mistake. I'm sorry about that. Um, but yeah, um, that and you just you guys just put out a, you just put out an EP. We put out an EP, which was a couple of songs. Or a few, there's one instrumental track mm -hmm. uh, that's called Triptych Continuum. Right. And uh, yeah, there were a couple of tracks on, on the record, the extra tracks that we thought were great, but... Mm -hmm. I have to credit Will Yip, the guy who, who uh, produced the record, uh, Interiors. Mm -hmm. um, he put the sequence together because it was, it was tricky. You know, because each guy has the songs that they really like and there's certain obvious ones that you kind of want to lead with or whatever. But he put together the sequence that I thought was best and we went with that. And he left those songs off, mm -hmm. which I thought were really strong tunes. And, uh, and the instrumental's really nice too. So we, I was happy that we had a, a means of getting it out and the packaging's nice. And I think that's a great idea, actually. Um, like when you have... Because, I mean, you know, this day and age, people... It's so hard to keep people's attention. Yeah. And there's so many great songs on yeah. interiors. Um, it's it's almost a shame that like a lot of them won't get as much attention as yeah. some other songs. So I think it is a really cool move because then you put the couple of songs out later and then it was a way you know it's also just another thing to I think the the, the attention span on a record, the amount of work that you put into making a record mm -hmm. even on average I would say is a lot of intensity. You know, you have to write all the lyrics, you have to do all the rehearsals, you have to, you know, go back and forth on all these different creative decisions. And then you do all that bullshit for like a year or whatever that it takes to put it together. And then, um, you know, artwork, et cetera, et cetera. And then people are kind of like paying attention for a, a few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so crazy. You know, in, in, in the first looks, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then, you know, with the record really connects with people, well, that could be a lifetime thing, obviously. But, sure. But you know what I mean? So, like, having these uh, songs to just kind of throw another look mm -hmm. out there was cool. And I think nowadays you just got to put out... I, I think ideally you want to put out more material. Yeah. Because then you're... You get better because you're doing more. You're better at, at the process. You don't get... I don't know. It's, it's one way to, to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. I tend to agree. And then if you want to touch on Dead Heavens and Vanishing Life, and then we, and then we won't hold you okay. hostage here. Oh, yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that <laughs> yeah. project, too. Um, well, Dead Heavens was, I kind of started from me going, uh, doing some solo shows where I had, uh, I was just looking to make another solo album, and some friends from Germany invited me to open for them on tour, and my solo, one, my guy that would usually play with me, bass player, couldn't make it, so I went with um, my friend Nathan from a band called The Cults, he's not in The Cults anymore, but, and uh, and Drew Thomas, who played in uh, Bold and Into Another, yeah. and we just had such a fun time on tour, and I reinterpreted my songs in kind of like a heavier way. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we were just listening to a lot of garage and, and kind of uh, proto-metal. And uh, so then it just kind of formed into Dead Heavens, you know, mm-hmm. like where I didn't want it. It didn't really feel like a, it felt like more of like a band effort. And so we kind of turned that into Dead Heavens. And, you know, definitely has got me through Dead Heavens to learn how to play lead guitar. Mm-hmm. You know, or I don't really know how to do it, but I'm, I just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I've built the confidence and, um, and play pedal effects, which I'd never done. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like as far as like a band vibe, you know, there was no professional aspects to it. We were just doing it because we're friends. We come together and, and, and do this kind of, you know, it's like why you do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that that's really awesome too. And um, so we're going to be making another single. I'm, I'm actually trying to record something uh, in the next couple of weeks with Dead Heavens. And Vanishing Life was something that um, I was on tour with Trail of Dead some years ago, and um, a few of the guys wanted to make like a they wanted to be make a project band. Mm-hmm. And Zach Blair and uh, from. Rise Against and uh, Jeff Rickley from Thursday were also going to be so it's going to be this you know it's kind of like if the three of us and like five other friends let's make a band call it fucking you know (laughs) you know whatever some name that would be funny that I can't Fuego you know (laughs) and we'd all be like yeah yeah that'll be great we'll do it and we don't do it Mm -hmm. well someone ended up sending a tape around and I felt like so you say you're going to do something, just do it, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And so I was the only one that fucking put in the vocals. Right. So then I became the singer. And uh, we made a record that I think is so great. I, I love, uh, you know, for anybody still listening, you should, yeah. check, listen. Not listen. You should check out uh, this record uh, we made called Surveillance. We didn't promote it, really, because it was just too difficult with um, with everybody's separate schedules. Uh you know, Jamie, the drummer, now plays with Bad Religion, and Zach is playing with Rise Against, and I'm pretty busy, and 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 even Autry, but Autry was pretty accommodating. But it was really difficult to to, to promote it. Um, but the record's fucking awesome. It's like heavy rock, hardcore uh, mix, and the lyrics are all kind of. I think I'm really happy with the lyrics. They really helped me get in the head for the Quicksand record, actually, mm. because it's. A girl, I, I don't, it was hard for me to reconcile how to sing like I would have sang on the last Quicksand record, mm-hmm. which is me just basically scream my fucking head off. Yeah. I, at the top of my range the entire time. Yeah. And it's like I couldn't be myself and do that right now. Mm-hmm. It's just like now it's not where I'm at. And so like how do you still project some of that energy authentically, but it, from a different pitching angle, mm-hmm. right? And. Vanishing Life was very informative as a, as a 
you know, project, excise, whatever. Yeah. So that, that record's really dope. I really love it. And, um, you know, so I, I don't know where we're going to go with that. There's some, still some more material that's awesome, but it's like I don't know how to do all the stuff I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just very difficult because it's not just the, the recording of it and the doing of it, but it's also, yeah, discussing it, artwork, mm-hmm. corresponding schedules, setting time apart. And sure. if you do, if you have like five different bands as I do, you think you're not working a lot, but actually your whole year is full. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I would love to come back to it, but I think it's, as it stands, it's like one of one of my favorite records that I've done, actually. I think it's really dope. And I think it was really like you were talking about how helpful it was to for the vocals for Interiors, and I think your vocals on that record are just fantastic. Thank you so they much. They really are. I love Thank it. Thank you. Oh, I really, that. really do. And you mentioned your guitar solos. Um, you know, Tom didn't record on, on yeah, Interiors, yeah. and you did all of the, yeah. the solos. I love them. I Thank think you so much. I think they're so cool. I think they're just really... I, I just really appreciate it because it's they're kind of out there. It's thank just you like so much. really like really interesting, really cool shit. How cool is that? It. Yeah, thank you awesome. very much. Yeah, I mean, I it was on me to do it, and it's like I've got to I got to come with some serious shit that I you know that I feel good about, mm-hmm. and uh, I really appreciate that that someone uh, someone gets it. Yeah, totally yeah. do. Yeah. Anything? What's what's on your agenda coming up? Anything touring shows? I'm like that? going to be playing sporadically. I'm 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 just kind of after the last year of playing with um with Quicksand, we played yeah, a fair amount, and uh, you know I've been playing GB shows this year. We played at least three different things, and like as I said, it's like. On the one hand, it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but it's a but it's a lot because you're planning all these little different sure, things. Yeah. And so, you know, this year I'm hoping to just take it a little easier all and right. just you know play play a little more sporadically and uh, and just kind of let the well fill up a little bit. More. Yeah, awesome. I know you're a busy guy. That's why I said like thank you so much for the opportunity that we actually uh, made this happen. Oh, uh, thank you, Jimmy. Thanks no. for thanks for reaching out. Anytime, man. Yeah, man. Johnny, anything? No, I'm uh, just grateful to be here. Thanks. Thanks. Awesome. Anytime. How cool. Yeah. Walter? Yeah, thanks, thanks again, thanks. my man. Thanks a lot. Thanks yeah. a lot, John. No problem. We're Thank you. Here we're now. just shaking hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're just shaking hands. <laughs> <laughs> Later. Great.